All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. The Gophers retain the axe. The Vikings get back on track. There is Timberwolves turmoil, and we talk more World Cup. Here we go. Here we go, Nordies Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Uh, going well. Happy Tuesday. I'm okay. Yeah, it's a little bit snowy out there today. Had to do some actual snow blowing, but that's good exercise, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, was, things are going well. We're back on track with the Vikings. We're not back on track with other teams, um, but we'll dive into all of that before we do. We need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordies Podcast. And also subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcast from and get the Nordies Podcast directly your phone or your device each and every week for free sweet nice work all right guys what are you drinking tonight all right i'm just drinking a delicious modello modello especial you know get it in the 12 pack they go down smooth baby it's that time of year for me uh spirit foul has come around once again and Ooh. this is probably my favorite beer maybe ever of all time and i saw it in the case had to get it. fair state love brewing love that for you all right i'm drinking like a fancy toppling goliath beer called Celestial Paradox, a double India pale ale. And it's a collab with Lua Brewing and Sapwood Cellars. So I don't know. Uh-huh. It's really good. It's like it's like one of those like fancy boxes that they put out, you know? Sounds bougie. Wow. It feels a little bougie. Was it, it like 22 old. bucks for the four pack? I think it was like $19, maybe. Yeah. And you could only buy one. Probably, yeah. There were... <laughs> no. No, I'll tell you what, what I did see, though. Okay, so you know those, you know those like... Um, uh, Goose Island beers that get put out every year. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the barrel. used to like wine for them, you know? Yeah. And I saw them at the liquor store by my house today, and they probably had 40 bottles out, and they were like limit two. And I was like, that's pretty funny because, I don't know, three years ago, five years ago, people would have been like waiting in line at like 6 a.m. Yeah, to get For those. sure. Yeah. And now they're just sitting out on a table, and they're like, please don't take too many. <laughs> it's like nobody nobody wants them it's kind of weird i was kind of like man um, i wanted to buy all of them you yeah what was it bourbon bourbon something yeah bourbon i don't know had all the variations yeah and i i do i used to pay like you know thirty dollars for one of those bottles i don't know what the fuck and that was when i didn't have any money <laughs> it was nuts yeah I, I mean we thought we were so cool getting that stuff oh, now God, everyone yeah. realized and then we're like, drinking and we're like mm, it's really good right guys yeah it's really interesting yeah, yeah. Uh, rich flavor <laughs> wow this is fucking gross all right. Well, uh, let's 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 move into a nice topic here, and that is that our Golden Gophers uh, beat the Wisconsin Badgers again. This time in Wisconsin at Camp Randall, um, the Calicamanis is that his name? Calicamanis. Caliac Manis. Caliac Manis. Um, the freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback, uh, actually was airing it out in this game as uh, Wisconsin broke the uh, NCAA record streak of Mo Ibrahim's 100-yard games, um, kept him totally in check. But the Air Raid Gophers, uh, who had the third-worst passing game in the country, um, looked fun throwing the ball all over the place. And they won for the third time in five years. I think they had lost 14 straight before that. And, and this is the like first that. time we've, we've won back-to-back games against Wisconsin since, like, the early 90s or something just absurd. So as much as we complain about Fleck and we complain about some of the shortcomings of the Gophers, I think that if you would have told me 
man, Fleck's going to win eight or nine games every year, maybe 10 some years, and he's going to beat the Badgers more than they're going to beat us. I would have taken that in a second. And so I guess that it's almost like, um, you know, you're desperate for these small successes. And then when you get them, you're frustrated that you don't have more success. And I think that as hard as Evan is on PJ Fleck, I would say so far his time here um, has been a success. And I think our greatly, um, you know, raised standards and expectations for the team are good proof of that. I think that's fair. Um, I do love that they have to do big things for us to mention them. Um, We did forget that they existed for a while there. You know, as long as they don't get ranked, they're a great team and they win a lot of games. The second they get ranked, they lose. So um, let's just not get ranked and we'll be good to go. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I expected a little bit more. I would would say an eight and four record with three cupcakes early on isn't necessarily indicative of a of a great season mm-hmm. um, when we shit the bed at Purdue, we shit the bed against Illinois, we shit the bed against Iowa. I think the only legit loss was uh, Penn State. Yeah. Um, all the other games were extremely winnable. Um, I think if, if PJ didn't, wasn't like out and about like selling all of these things to the public, the expectations might be lower, but I think mm-hmm. he's, he's setting the bar very high for, for like maybe I would say casual to like, semi-invested fan that it's difficult to uh, you know two weeks ago he was six and four with like three out of four losses and I don't, I don't think anyone looked at that and said great season so far PJ um, so anyway yeah. but I, I also agree with Eric's point I think if at the time he was going to be hired after all of the I guess Tracy Clays and Jerry Kill but through no fault of his own you know had some health issues and they had some decent seasons. But if he just said, this new guy is going to have um, a few wins, he's going to pop early, you know, a 10-win season, a win against Auburn on the road in a, in a New Year's Day bowl game, and you're going to beat Wisconsin three out of the last five years, um, I think everybody in Minnesota would have taken it. Yeah, but I think that's a, it's I think incremental that's a, improvement. I think that's a little bit narrow of a purview to look at, like, the shortcomings are really bad. Like, last year, what was the, the non-conference loss that we had, like, early in the season? I forget who that was to. Um, but somebody that was, like, you know, South Dakota State well, or whoever. All we, State. Like, who, I mean, just well, atrocious. There was one of those. Yeah. yeah atrocious, atrocious loss at home, like, shouldn't happen. So, like, I think those, I think the losses, when they're, when they shouldn't happen, tend to be a lot more glaring. Anyway, spent too mm-hmm. much time on the topic. I apologize. I just think, though, that Fleck has been the best Gophers coach we've had in our lifetime. Mm. Minus, yeah, QB, like, minus QB recruiting, yes. Yeah, but, like, how many good quarterbacks can you name in your lifetime that were Gophers? I can think of one. They've had one good quarterback. Adam Weber well, was the only good quarterback they Sophomore Tanner Morgan was pretty good. Sixth-year senior happy. Tanner Morgan is not very good somehow. Yeah. Who's the dude that, yeah. like, almost killed a guy outside of a bar? Um, wasn't that uh, him? Nelson, Philip oh, yeah. Nelson. Oh, dude, yeah. that wasn't. He good. didn't last very long here. And then um, Assad Abdul Khalik is the other one that I could remember that was pretty good. He was okay, but we've had one pro quarterback in our lifetime that was a Gopher, and we're one of the biggest universities in the country. And so I just think that um, the stability that Fleck has brought to our program here in Minnesota, and the expectations he's brought. I mean, that's, that sucks because when you don't meet those expectations or when you disappoint or when you get people excited that we've become something that we haven't become yet, I mean, that feels disappointing. But it also feels good that we're pissed off when the team loses games to Iowa now. Mm-hmm. Like, 
10 years ago, I'd have been like, well, of course we lose Iowa. We lose to Iowa every time we play them. Yeah. And we still lose to every Iowa every time we play them. But now I'm like, <laughs> how have we not beat this team? You know, like we have improved. And I think that Fleck does um, deserve deserve some credit. Okay. I agree. I agree. That's a good take. All right. Well, uh, last week, um, not you guys, but but a lot of people in Minnesota were freaking out and nationally that the Vikings were dead. They had been exposed. They were a bad team because they got absolutely humiliated in one bad game. And we said here on the show, "Calm down. This doesn't mean they're a bad team. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay." Like even even good teams lose bad sometimes, and it's embarrassing. But it's how you respond. And I think that they had a really nice response. They played in prime time, Thanksgiving night, at home, uh, short rest, short rest week, missing probably their second best player in left tackle Christian Derrissaw mm-hmm. against the second best pass rusher in the league, against one of the great coaches, maybe the greatest coach of all time, and one of the great defensive minds in football history in Bill Belichick. And they absolutely skewered his defense, um, put it on him. Kirk Cousins had his best performance of the season and arguably his best performance as a Viking. And even despite the pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had a bad pick and he came right back from it. And I thought he was fantastic. I thought this was the Cousins that we are always begging for. Um, I thought this was elite quarterback Kirk Cousins. And we don't get that enough from him. um, But it was great to have it in prime time when the whole world Mm -hmm. was waiting to say, I told you so, Kirk Cousins, I told you so, Vikings, I told you so, Minnesota, why did you guys believe? And I thought that, you know, um, it wasn't a blowout, it wasn't a domination, but it was the right performance for the team that we have. And that was steady and good and in the right moment. Yeah, and I think the entire, you know, you touched on the national media, they were just waiting like vultures to a struggling, you know, deer in the, I mean, they were just waiting for cousins to throw three picks, have 150, you know what I mean? Like, and for the, for the Patriots to win, they could be like, Oh, Bill Belichick's the greatest. Look how he turned Mac Jones around, you know, like all yeah. those stupid talking points that they get to recycle over and over. But I think our expectations going into Thursday, I would say we're tepid at best. I mean, if we're being realistic, mm-hmm. um, we knew it was going to be close. You know, like Eric said, Belichick is a great coach. Like, it doesn't matter what players he has. He's going to get a lot out of them. Um, but for some reason, I think, you know, having guys like Patrick Peterson and a, a veteran guy like Cousins, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook rallied the troops. We got our butts whipped um, against the Cowboys. And what a way to rebound. What a way mm-hmm. to shut all the haters up and move to nine and freaking two. Good That's Lord. Absurd. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I, I When I was watching this game, I was thinking, damn, we look good. Um, I wasn't very nervous during the game. I felt like we had it in hand, you know, even when it was close. Um I didn't feel like anything was getting away from us. I thought it was good. You know, we were well managed. It was a really fun game, and it, the only we were all right. I think we all picked the Vikings to win, um, we did. but we we thought it'd be a little low, lower scoring. I think all of us were in the teens. I didn't think it was going to be this big, you know, blowout game with back and forth trading punches. It was really fun, um, but yeah, not exactly what we expected. So, also in this game, uh, besides Cousins, and by the way, the turkey legs went to Cousins. Thielen and Jefferson. I thought those were the right picks, especially Cousins and Jefferson. Jefferson was his normal, completely unplayable self, mm-hmm. who is 
invincible um, to any type of coverage at this point. The only way he has a bad game is if we can't protect Cousins long enough to hook it up to him. He can run any route. He's top five in every category there is in football at this point. He's incredible at running deep routes. He's incredible on everything underneath. He's incredible on contested catches. He's an elite route runner. He is flawless. And ESPN uh, put out their top, their yearly top 25 under 25, where they ranked 23-year-old Justin Jefferson as their number two player. And I think that there is a class of their own top two of uh, Micah Parsons, the pass rusher from the Cowboys, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think they are in a league of their own as maybe the best offensive and defensive um, players in the league, uh, best non-quarterbacks in all mm-hmm. of football. Yeah, it's a drop-off. Then we get Jamar Chase. I think Justin Herbert's in there. Um, yeah, so I can see what you're saying. Yeah, like Herbert. a steep drop-off. I guess I was a little surprised to see him not number one, but, I mean, apparently, you know, I guess well, if, there's, Cowboy, it's, if there's any Cow, Cowboys player even close, they're going to get promoted. That's I mean, it's yeah. a five five position bump just because you play for Dallas. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you had a draft of every player in football and it was NFL teams and they could take anyone that wasn't a quarterback with their pick, I think Jefferson would be the first because offense is just more important defense is in football. Mm-hmm. And I well, mean, especially, from, that, especially from that list, the under 20, whatever yeah. uh, list. I they think would... that Jefferson is the best non-quarterback in football. I truly believe that. I think he is the best um, receiver at this age in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think he is more talented than Randy Moss. And that is as high of praise as I can give a player. Big, well, big, and, big Randy fan. And think about yeah. Randy. Like, Randy was just a freak that could run by everyone. He was 6'3" and had a 42-inch vertical leap. Like, all the DBs in that era were small. I think Jefferson is doing it against tougher defenses and better corners that are more physical. They're bigger, faster, stronger. So are the receivers. Um, this is not a this is not an era argument, but I think Jefferson's mm-hmm. task to get where he is has been more difficult than Randy Moss's um, in the sense of, like Eric said, the contested catches, the route running, the double coverage. Um, he's doing it. Uh, I mean, Randy was just like run faster than everyone and Culpepper and Cunningham would just, you know, throw it as far as they could and let Randy go get it. I think this is a little Mm -hmm. bit more precise um, and Jefferson has to work a lot harder. Yeah, absolutely. And so we were kind of arguing um, off of the pod about who is going to end up being the offensive player of the year. It is a two horse race for sure between Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson. They're the two odds-on favorites to win the award as well. Um, Hill has 87 catches, Jefferson 81. I believe Hill has one more target is all as well, so they're like even. Um, Hill has 1,233 yards. Jefferson has 1,232 yards. So Hill has one more yard, and then uh, Hill has four touchdowns. Jefferson has five. Jefferson's completed a few passes as well. I mean, these guys are light years ahead of all other skill players. I mean, they are just machines. And my big argument would just be Jefferson's number two guy is Adam Thielen. And Hill's number two guy is the number five receiver in football, Jalen Waddell. Um, but it's going to come down to those guys. It feels like the media really wants to give it to Hill this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the deal. Justin Jefferson has over 300 yards in receiving in the NFL than the next closest guy since he's joined the league. He's the most deserving player here. 
He is an absolute freak. We're watching history um, all the time. And I don't care what we have to pay him. We're going to have to pay the guy record money. He's going to make 32, 33, $34 million a year. I don't care. I want him on. Yeah, I want him on our team. I don't want to see highlight. You're going to let him go? Trade him, I guess, but they're gonna they're gonna sign him. They're gonna move. They're gonna time it out perfectly, I think. So as Cousins gets phased out of the and his thirty whatever million goes out of the team, Jefferson will take that pay slot, and then we'll draft a quarterback in the first round somewhere. We'll like trade up a bunch of picks to go get our franchise quarterback, and then that guy will take Jefferson's pay spot. So we'll just flip our Jefferson and Cousins contracts for Jefferson and future quarterback. Yeah, I think and then we can cut. We'll cut Dalvin Cook. When he has no cap hit yeah. in a year or two, and call it good, probably. Thielen so will be I off do. the books. Thielen will be off the books. It'll be like thirty-five years old. It'd be perfect. Yeah. So I do think they're going to phase out um, a few of those older pieces on this team. Um, but hey, those older guys did step up in a big way in this game, and it was a lot of fun. The other guy who was in the list for us in the top twenty-five was tackle Christian Darisaw. I thought he was like really underrated on this list. I thought they did him kind of dirty. They put Tristan Wirfs ahead of him from Tampa Bay. They put Rashawn Slater uh, for the Chargers at number seven overall. The guys missed the whole year with an injury. Um, (laughs) They put Andrew Thomas for the Giants, who's been really good at 12. They put, um, let's see, Penai Sewell from Detroit, who has not been as good as Darisaw at number uh 18 and then i think derisaw was number 19 or something like that so uh no i'm sorry derisaw was 23 well hmm. i think derisaw had a little bit of a rough start to his career and it took a little bit to get going i think then you know because didn't he have like surgery after he was drafted yeah, and he was out surgery yeah. that left, took him out for a long time yeah. yeah so i think maybe there was a little bit of a uh you know lack of consistency with him that maybe dropped him a few spots also it's cool to like say the Vikings are overrated now for whatever reason. So that probably played into it. They're like, Oh, they're not that good. Darius is mm-hmm. 20 and eh, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, so the Vikings have the jets this weekend at home. Uh, it's the third straight home game for the Vikings. This could put them into the playoffs with a victory. Hide your moms. Hide your moms. Zach Wilson's uh, coming Zach to town. Wilson will be on the sideline, not playing because his team hates him and he's terrible. And <laughs> to Mike White, uh, who looked incredible last week, but have no fear. The best thing that could have happened for us before we played Mike White is that he got we got all of his fill. Yeah. Like, I think it's a lot harder. I know we played a little last year, but it is difficult for people to play a quarterback where they have very little film on them. Well, like, and so like I, the the Miami kid, their their yeah. third stringer. Seeing everything that he wants to do and what they want to do with him and what he's comfortable with will help our defense. It's going to be tough playing at U.S. Bank. I know the Cowboys really gave it to us, but everybody else struggles at U.S. Bank. And I I think the Vikings win another kind of high scoring game. I like the Vikings to win 31 to 23. 31 to 23 Vikings. Another okay. one score game, technically. The Jets are pretty yeah. good. Jets are pretty good, but the, the you know the controversy of the quarterback, home game, um, the the margin I'm gonna propose is a little wider than maybe what I was thinking, but uh, I'm gonna go with 27 uh 18. 27 18 Vikes. Okay. A little more comfortable um, win. I think the Jets defense is pretty legit. Um, from everything that I've seen, I don't know what our plan will be to break this down. I mean, if they get pressure on Cousins, it could get ugly quick. Um, I don't think Darius is playing, but uh, got, dude filled in uh, pretty well last week. 
Um, I think maybe I'm going to go with the similar prediction that I had last week. I'll go 2013 Viking. 22, okay. 20, Vikings 20, Jets 13. I think Mike White is going to watch the tape of himself and be like, you know what? I'm actually a really good quarterback, and it's going to be a long day for him at U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> I agree. All right. Uh, other news in football, uh, former Viking, former Viking first round pick, um, Cordero Patterson breaks the all-time NFL kick return record. I think that was a week and a half ago now, but um, still a cool moment for him. It's crazy to think he's going to go down as one of the great return men in the history of football. And then uh, also Aaron Rodgers injured, leaves the game. Jordan Love comes in. Does very little, but he does throw a little like six yard pass that Christian Watson takes seventy five yards to the house. So then Packer fans are just salivating. In all of his other throws, he threw for a combined thirty eight yards. So <laughs> I think they're, and I think they're, I think the Packer fans, I think it really split them. I think half of them want to see Love the rest of the way, given their record, and I think the other half are mm-hmm. like, no, it's Rogers' team. He's the captain, yeah. etc. Beautiful. It's beautiful. The term Eric Eric lives in the turmoil. Yeah, the fans are turning on Rodgers. It's great. Um, it came out today that uh, former Packers backup quarterback said that um, early in his career, Rodgers was questioning if he believed in nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yes, dude, he's a critical thinker. You guys don't forget that. Right, he's not a sheep. That's for Jet sure. Fuel can't melt steel beams. That's been proven. That's what he was tweeting. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser says Aaron Rodgers once asked him whether he believes in 9-11. Believes in. I didn't know it was a thing you could believe or not believe. Yeah, is that like extraterrestrials? Like, do you believe in aliens? Like, that's, right. that's something that you can believe in. Like, I think we all watched 9-11 happen. Right, so we thought. So we thought. Deshaun Kaiser says that Aaron Rodgers once told him to read up on 9-11 after asking Kaiser if he believed in it. <laughs> I love it. It's so crazy that we live in this world where you can just choose to think anything is fake. And that even though we we know what human beings are capable of, we imagine there's like this super race of human beings that's way smarter than we are and everybody else. Way more organized and so focused on fucking everybody that they're just plan planning these false flag attacks everywhere that they go. Everything is a scam. Everything is fake. You can't believe anything unless you see it on Facebook from Uncle right. Jim Bob. Right. And it's wild that we have, like, quarterbacks and point guards and shit that are, like, peddling this stuff for us at this well, point. Well, think about it. Okay. Crazy. Let's not go too far down this hole, but, like, the social media aspect of this has really illuminated the stupidity's ability to spread more rapidly like your mm-hmm. conspiracy theory guy used to be like the guy in the camper that lived in, you know, near Area 51. And he's like, oh, man, you don't know what the government's doing over there. And now it's like <laughs> now with social media conspiracy theories, I don't even call them that. It's just bullshit to get attention yeah. is able to spread like wildfire because of they find bots each other. and manipulation. And it's the, yeah, the Bill Burr is like, Oh, I found somebody that believes the same shit that I do. Uh, even though Must like real. the flat earthers, like math disproves everything that you could possibly come up with that the earth is flat and they still choose to believe that the earth is flat. I would love to get Aaron Rodgers take on that. I, I don't want to hear anything more from Aaron Rodgers. I just want to have him keep causing problems making fans turn on him, throwing interceptions, playing bad football. And at this point, they they have a 0.05% chance to make the playoffs. So, I mean, 
they would need every team that they needed to to lose every game, and they would need to win every game the rest of the way. It ain't happening. They are dead. Right. Well, I want Aaron Rodgers to play every game. A little, a little throwback, a little, a little better, so that fans mm-hmm. believe it again going into next year when he costs like sixty million dollars and they can't afford their roster because they have to pay fucking Aaron Rodgers all this money. Has oh, there just, ever been? I mean, and he won the MVP last year, right? Twice, two years in a row. So he won two years in a row. Have, has there ever been a fallout like this? Yeah, and yeah. His name's Russell Wilson. The, but Russell Wilson didn't win MVP Peyton, and then stopped. Peyton like, Manning. He, he was Peyton pretty Manning good was last a... year, and now he sucks. This yeah, the difference is suck. Yeah, but the difference is, is that Peyton Manning broke his neck and then won a Super Bowl. Even if he was bad, he won a Super Bowl. Okay, and true, but he, he couldn't throw the ball more than like 25 yards downfield with the Broncos. That's And he won a Super Bowl. It was fucking no, miraculous. Fair, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Russell Wilson is the answer because for how bad Rodgers has been, Russell Wilson has been like 200 times worse. Yeah. Like – like Rodgers has been disappointing Rodgers, but he's still like a top half of the league quarterback. Well, I think We're he just makes like, that. Uh, I think he makes that game a lot more interesting if he doesn't get hurt, right? Because they basically had to just run the ball until they were like, "We got to yank you. It's just not. Yeah. It's not going to work. And we got to take you thing. out." He's like, he comes out and he's like, "Oh, I'm definitely bru- You know, broke my ribs and punctured my shit. He's got. A, he got hit hard. He has no injuries. So I just didn't know if, if they maybe pulled him because he was sucking. I didn't watch the game, so. I guess he was doing okay when they pulled him. I don't. I don't picture him as that. I, he doesn't seem like an injury diva in that regard. Um, it must have been I bad feel, or thought it was. Yeah, I think. I think if he's. I punctured. think if he's hurt, it's probably pretty legit. Okay. He said, I, "I thought my lung was punctured, and that's why I went in." So, yeah. like, it wasn't just that he he knew his ribs were hurt, but I think he thought like this might be actually bad because he said he couldn't catch his breath. Yeah, that's and the so, thing. That's scary. He was just scared that there was a serious injury. And mm-hmm. then Love comes in. And like I said, I'm not saying Love was bad. He makes great throws. He's got a beautiful arm. Like, Jordan Love would come in next year as their starter and be, like, an average quarterback in the NFL. Like, he would. He'd be an average quarterback. I'm not trying to act like he's some bum. Right. But I just loved it that, like, right away he hits a little four-yard crossing route. And then, like, sprinter speed Christian Watson takes it 75 yards pretty much on his own. And then everyone was like, Jordan Love has arrived. He's here. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is so great. Little thing called yak. Yeah, exactly. So is it love time? It sounds like Rogers knows um, that he can't miss out and let love steal the thunder. So he's going to do everything he can to play. It's so funny. We, what did we do to deserve this? <laughs> we lived uh, through a lot of bull- Yeah, I was going to say. We 40 years this. of Hall of Fame quarterback play against us. I think yeah, we yeah. lived through a lot of bullshit. But since then, we have, we're getting really what we've deserved for having to. So this is enjoyable. Something that's not enjoyable, though, is Timberwolves. Mm. Do we have to spend time on this? I mean, you got to give Jimbo a warning if you're going to. If you're going to just take a hard left like that. I know. So the Timberwolves are on a three-game losing, and <laughs> they are going to be about five games back from first place, which sounds like not a lot to make up. But when you can't put together more than two games in a row ever, yeah. it feel, it's feeling almost insurmountable at times. And then on top of that, Carl Anthony Towns this week went down with a non-contact injury to the back of his leg. It looked like he blew his Achilles is what it looked like to everyone. It was scary. It was not good. Uh, it ends up being a calf injury that they're guessing will keep him out four to six weeks. So that should put him out till early to mid-January at this point. Yeah, I think he'll be back a little bit before then, but it still it sucks. 
I mean, we're just trying, like, he's our best player by a decent margin. I hope Ant can take that at some point. And it would have been nice if Gobert had just, like, come in and been like, damn, he's our best guy, but he's not. So it's Cat. He's our best guy. Um, you never want to lose that. I feel like I don't know if they're making any progress to figuring out how all these starters fit together and all these stars get, you know, good playing time and make sense. It doesn't seem like they're making any progress towards that. Um, we'll win a few games and it seems like maybe they're clicking and then they'll suck horribly, even with no injuries. We've had great injury luck so far, um, besides this. So I guess, you know, at least we'll see a different lineup out there, but you know, I'm excited a long time. I think that we'll be, you know, we're going to get jumped by a couple teams. Like the Warriors will, will probably put a few games on us during this time. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's obviously bad news for us having these kind of playoff hopes like we had. I think the best thing that could happen to this team, honestly, was that Towns or Gobert would miss some time, but it wouldn't season ending or it wouldn't be months of rehab. Like, I actually think this is what they need right now. Uh, I would have rather it was Gobert, um, yeah. but I do think that we're going to see a totally different Edwards. I bet you Edward, this breathes life into Anthony Edwards, who I can only imagine does not like Carl Anthony Towns at all <laughs> and is uh, completely going through the motions at this point. And the team feels like they are. And I feel like this is going to breathe some energy into this team. Edwards is going to try to take over and show that it's his team. And I think the spacing is going to feel a lot better with Gobert. And I think you're going to see a better Gobert, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Without That doesn't mean I want this to be our final team or I want to trade away Towns. But I do want to see what these pieces look like with a more standard team, like mm-hmm. on the floor. You know, like without two big men at all times. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Kyle Anderson should slide into that town spot and be give us, you know, a bunch of hard-nosed play. You're going to get more Noel. You're going to hopefully get more from guys like Jaden McDaniels. And you're, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this um, in a season that feels like it's just passing us by. Yeah. Like it just it's feels like it's passing by. I mean, we're by. at like 22 games in or something, so. Yeah, it's just, it's not, it's, it's looked ugly. And at this point, I kind of want to see, because the other thing is, is like the, the break glass in case of emergency will be a Towns trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's where we, I want to go, but there will be a price that all of us are, all of our ears would perk up at a certain Towns price. And if that Towns mm-hmm. price was higher than maybe the Gobert price was, and kind of like regenerates all of our assets, we still have Rudy Gobert making that Towns money, but we have a different more cohesive team and we we don't lose every draft pick we have um would feel great uh now the team who must be feeling real good though is utah as they're sitting on our first round pick this year we were hoping it was going to be like 24 and they're hoping it's going to be like six yeah <laughs> yeah they're on, on line <clears throat> for that it's it's worst case scenario right now well not worst case but like pretty pretty down there in terms of um scenarios does it bother either of you guys maybe you can answer individually that <clears throat> coach is like i know you guys like to the media i know i know everyone thinks that like towns and gobert playing together is the problem and it's really not the problem does it seem like he's pretending it's not an issue to the public but secretly knows that it is or not secretly but like privately knows that it is within his staff or is it that he's really just not up to the job and doesn't quite understand how to get the best out of everyone um in that the players dictate the system not the other way it feels it feels a little bit like he's um, in over his head a little bit at this point. Yeah, and I think that the problem is is like you can't have too many superstars, as I air quotes it. Sure, you can't have too many superstars because 
all those guys have to get theirs. And that's why it's hard to have these teams that have too many guys, too many mouths to feed. And when when you're looking for big development from guys like Jaden McDaniels, but he's the fifth option, are you ever going to see he's yeah. supposed to be? You know, mm-hmm. what? what is it? Like, why do you have D'Angelo Russell as a max contract player as your fourth option? I mean, that seems weird. Um, I think that I have this feeling that either, I'm not sure which one it is, but I have a feeling that one of Towns and Edwards is really unpopular with the team. I don't know which one it is. It very well could be either of them, but it feels kind of like both of them can't survive while the other one lives on well, the, like, uh, but, on the little, So answer my, But answer my question yeah. about the coach. Do you think our coach is in over his head? At the- yes. Probably. Yeah. I, think, I, mean, like, I also think maybe anybody would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know who's going to come in and just magically make all this work. Um, you know, it it comes down to the players themselves and – the players aren't happy. I can I can tell. Um, it looks like they're mad at each other all the time. They're struggling. They get into these you're the, long. You're the best. You're the best uh, happiness barometer of the Timberwolves that we have. You're our you're our subject line bad expert vibes. on that. I'm getting bad vibes, um, and I like Oof. it when I get good vibes. I like it when the team's happy, and I just you know we'll never know. But the team was very happy last year, and it would have been very interesting to run the exact same team back. Um, I, so far, I don't think that. You know, Vanderbilt was some kind of big step down, at least on our team, than what Gobert is doing for us. Uh, I think our record would be similar or better. So I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of messy. As far as your coach question, I just don't know, you know, who could step in at this time. Or, you know, maybe if a coach did step in, it would be better than just trying to con- sort of continue to tweak small things um, that aren't really changing anything. So it's a tough situation for sure. And, you know, maybe Eric's right that we shouldn't be that bummed about this because we need to at least try something else. Yeah, I don't I'm not saying I don't want Towns gone or anything like that. But I just think like this should be a wake up call for guys. Yeah. And I think this is like gut check time. And I think like sometimes you see the best on the team when guys are forced to step up. And I'm really hoping that we see, you know, six weeks of 28 point a game. Anthony Edwards yeah. who's just a killer and he's getting everyone involved and he's just he's attacking the the rim with some more space and he's being called on to run more stuff in the offense. And like, I just, I think you're going to see the best of some of these guys. I, I don't think that we're going to crumble because of this. I think we actually might see what pieces fit best and which ones don't. Okay. Let's hope so. And I just, I, I mean, like I don't, I just don't really see a scenario where towns is on this team. And I don't know why I feel that way, but I just, I don't know. I just, it feels like his days are numbered here. Um, it feels like it's going to be Ant or, or Towns, and I don't think Towns coming out in the first week of the season and being like, Ant eats chicken sandwiches. He's an idiot. Like, I don't think that that was good. I, I think, I don't I don't know. That one made it, it feel like it's him or me, and mm. I can't get over that. Like, I've never heard another team. Yep. That's like some Draymond Green stuff to me. Yeah. And that, no, I that's get not, it. Yeah, so that's not feeling great um, for – our Timberwolves, but uh, there was a video, a viral video going around that made uh, me feel great because a guy was talking about how Pat Beverly shouldn't be in the NBA. (laughs) He's the worst offensive player in the league and a league average defensive player. And he gets suspended for hitting people from behind. Yeah. He pushed the guy over. Yeah. I mean, it is funny. I don't think this makes us should make us feel better about the go bear trade or anything like he was pretty good on this team and the Lakers are a shit show. So it's not surprising, you know, and they don't really have a lot of options of, of dudes to play. It's very top heavy with old men. 
Um, that's kind of what yeah. they built, and that's what they got. So they have to play him. Um, and yeah, I mean, his stats, like when the guy went through it, I was like, damn, he's rated last on like everything, like all of yeah, it. Yeah, he, he was like, yeah, at one point the guy was going through and he was like, he's the worst offensive player in basketball. And the guys were like, what about the guys who don't play? And he's like, well, I guess we'll never know because yeah. they don't play. But yeah, of the guys for a reason. Play, of the guys who do play, he is the worst. And then it's I do kind of agree though, like he's tricked a lot of people into thinking he's some defensive dynamo because he just yells the loudest and smacks the court and is aggressive. And so that was that made my week for NBA talk. But at this point, there's not a lot. You've been going to sleep thinking about that moment for <laughs> the better part of 400 days now. So <laughs> yeah, I have. He's vindicated, All everyone. Right. All right, guys, next up we have World Cup, uh, mm. World Cup fever for people here in the United States. Now, as much as I don't find myself caring about this World Cup, like at all, um, because it's in Qatar, it's in November, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, tons of people died. I just I have a sour taste in my mouth about the World Cup. But I will tell you that after eight years away from being in the World Cup, I feel it from the American public that they are excited about this team. The ratings and stuff have been awesome for all the U.S. games. And even today, teaching, I heard tons of teachers talking about the the game. And I had kids saying, let's put the game on. And I said, okay, if you can get your work done while we have the game on, we'll watch it. You're and like, I, oh, here's my arm. <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah happening I was going to say. <laughs> and so I do think that people are a little excited about the World Cup. They're excited about uh, the United States team and the, the U.S., with a huge one nothing win over Iran uh, to get into the round of 16. This weekend, they will play a loser goes home, an elimination game in the round of 16 against the Netherlands. Big Virgil. That's pretty scary. We lose this game, don't we? Probably. Okay. Probably. Probably. But I, realistic. But like, like, that would be like, amazing if we don't. The only, the only goal we've given up so far has been a penalty. And I'm not saying we're playing world-beating teams at all, but... At the same time, we've given up. We gave up zero goals to England, and right. they and England is more dangerous than the Netherlands for yeah, sure. So um, I don't. I didn't think this team was a very good defensive unit. Um, I think they've kind of proved me wrong. I think they're a lot better in that regard. Also, Gareth Southgate for England is one of the worst international managers <laughs> in the history of soccer. Oh yeah, he really is. Like it's this painful. team, this team, this English team should be. Pouring, I mean, they they should destroy everyone all the way to the final against Brazil or France or whatever the however the bracket lines up. But Southgate's going to have them play conservative with their old veterans and be like, "Well, we went down with the guys that deserved it," and he's an idiot. So, um, got to get some Jordan still, Henderson playing there, and you know, and no offense, no offense to the Liverpool guy, he should not be playing with the midfield players that they <laughs> yeah, have. He shouldn't probably be playing for Liverpool either. Yeah, he's old as dirt. And so I do think it's kind of funny um, that, you know, people are going to pretend that this is some juggernaut Netherlands team. They're doing the same thing that all of these European teams are. Running it back from four years ago, like all of the teams seem to be doing. The only ones who aren't are like Spain is trying to keep it young, it looks like, with the most US? of their decisions. Well, I was just talking about, I'm, I said European teams. But oh, yeah, oh the yeah, US, yeah, yeah, sorry. Gone younger after, after about... 20 straight years of playing the same Michael guys. Bradley and Josie Altador played since the 90s. 
All right, so I have to admit something to everybody right right now because I know everyone's got USA, and I haven't felt that. Like I'm not cheering against the US. I want them to win, but I I, I don't feel so positive about them, and I figured out why. Okay, mm. the reason I don't stink. feel very positive about US soccer has nothing to do with the team. They have likable players. They have really fun young players. They've got guys who work their asses off. There's a lot to like about it. The reason that I find myself bothered about the U.S. team is actually because the media, like the soccer, U.S. soccer media, is so obnoxious. To Unbearable. Me. The announcers, the announcers are all has been old players who think they were way greater than they were, and I just don't know where they have this this like weird sense of being important in the game of soccer when like no one in other countries would they're, even they're not, know who they are. but they're not Fox has ele- like artificially elevated them to that oh. position for no reason. I think I would enjoy the games more if I did it, if I had the TV on silent, like yeah. that's where we're at Landon Donovan. I he's unbearable. Like I've never heard someone who thinks they, who has a bigger fucking ego than Landon Donovan does. Uh, uh, Alexi lawless. Uh, what's, what's the other guy? Um, Hart, Clint, Hart, Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Clint Dempsey and like John Hartson or something is his name. Oh, and, and Howard. I mean, it's like the whole fucking team from like 2010 is like covering every aspect of us soccer in a way that's like really annoying to me and like off putting. So if anything, I think I need to blame Fox for like killing some of my feelings towards the U S team because their coverage I think has been Awful. Yeah, awful. Give me the give me the NBC crew. Where are they? They're probably covering England, aren't they? No, but the NBC Premier League crew that works yeah. in the US, but they're all British people. Yeah, they're great. They're that's who I want. They should Peter, they should be covering Peter Drury. Well, like remember Eric, maybe you remember the 2014 um we had Ian Dark. Yeah. Who was, who's an old British soccer commentator yeah. with Taylor Twellman, who I think is Taylor Twellman, I think is decent at calling um, games as a color analyst. And then Ian Dark, yeah. the British guy, was the play-by-play, and he was fucking brilliant. He was awesome. Yeah. And then Fox You're is missing. like, no, we want to go young. And some like weirdo dude, I don't even know who he is. John Strong is that his name? I I don't know who that person is, and shouldn't be calling. He's probably some MLS guy that they pulled um, instead of paying Ian Dark what he wanted. I I think that it comes down to the fact that as much as I love soccer and you guys love soccer, and it's becoming this huge sport even in the United States now, and that is it's fun to watch that. But I think that it still feels foreign as a sport, and I think that's part of the the reason that it's like alluring and cool and fun is that it does feel like it's something that is foreign in all parts of of the rest of the world. And so I think we miss that when we have like Landon Donovan, like talking about when he played in these meaningless fucking CONCACAF. Well, did think, you guys, think, uh, real quick, think did, about, did you guys think, hear that Kendra St. Aubin? I'm sorry. I got to just mention this. Kendra St. Aubin is like, they got fired the, the crew as they moved to Apple TV. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Cal since Williams Apple TV like repartnered with uh, MLS, our gal and Cal, whatever, um, Cal Callum Williams, or something. Yeah. Yeah, both those guys got got canned. Yeah, didn't know. Well, think World. about think about the World Cup coverage. And no, I I completely agree. Um, I think they maybe knew that was happening though for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Eric, they tried to Americanize it, right? They were like, well, how mm-hmm. many guys are or how many people are in the halftime show 
um, for NBC, they're like three. They're like, we're doing four. I want four people in the halftime show. <laughs> and like, and then just like, every, and they're like, and we need Carly Lloyd in there. We need a female presence that is completely uncomfortable on camera. Like, all right, done. Yeah. Somebody from the U.S. women's team. And like, they, they just kind of like, hap, it feels like they haphazardly threw this together. They put Rob Stone in it, who's kind of former ESPN guy, now apparently like Fox soccer person as like the, the studio host who seems out of place. Doesn't really, I don't know. The whole thing, like Eric said, is disjointed, uncomfortable. The announcing's terrible. Give me a British person calling soccer. That's all I want. Give me a British person calling the game. We need it. It's what's missing. Why is it that Rebecca Lowe is so alluring as a studio host? It's because she lived it, breathed it, grew up with it in the culture, the whole thing. Like, World Cup is like rider. Like, that's your life. Like, that's the only thing that you think about. And we have fucking... Clint Dempsey and uh, Alexi Lawless, who played in like three World Cup combined. I I do think that what what is nice though is like um, you have to like I like the idea that the U.S. is still a young program in international soccer. I know we've been around for a long time, but like in in reality, soccer hasn't meant shit in this country until pretty recently. And like all the stuff in the '90s, like that kids were playing soccer because they couldn't figure out another sport you know like we finally are getting great athletes into it we're finally getting guys who are starring uh in different you know top leagues across europe like going in big money transfers like there is exciting things finally happening in u.s soccer and i don't want to pretend like we've we're some fucking power because we aren't and i think that like it's a weird place for people in the u.s to not be a favorite one of the favorites, not the favorite in everything we do internationally. But, like, I think that this, you know, the up-and-coming young team of a bunch of kids going out and trying to take on the big giants is a greater story. And I, I just, I don't know. I find myself, like, put off by the coverage of the team where the guys on the team are likable and they don't deserve that. I think they're a really cool, fun team. And guys are making huge names for themselves. Musa and Adams have been revelations in the United States as midfield and and Musa just you know, like, Musa's 20th birthday was the to the day of the game against Iran yeah I know and it hurts my he's an Arsenal kid grew up in Arsenal Academy and then decided he needed to leave to, to do better and he was right <laughs> it hurts my feelings I'm hoping Chelsea and Leeds do a straight swap Pulisic for Tyler Adams I think that's a that's oh Tyler Adams, I love him. He's a brilliant player. So I, I think that this has been a fun World Cup. I'm I'm hoping for uh, a nice upset here um, for the United States. I can't imagine they go very far because how things are set up right now, most likely they would have to beat the Netherlands and then Argentina just mm-hmm. to get to the round of four, uh, the semifinals, where they would most likely play Brazil. Brutal, well, listen, brutal, brutal. Not gonna, let's just go through all the top teams all on our way yeah. to the finals. I think, I think to win the, the, the cup, most likely you'd have to beat Netherlands, Argentina, Brazil, and France in order. <laughs> hey. Which doesn't feel that likely. Doesn't I, feel you know achievable. If you ask... If you ask Alexi Lawless, though. We're a powerhouse. We're scrappy, and we're going to go and take it to him. Like, I have to so tough. of him wearing the denim-colored jersey with the stars all over it with his stupid hair and his giant goatee. Ugh. Did you see the sign? Also, Did you see the sign he had, Eric, pregame? No. He, had a, he was no. holding a sign that said, it's called soccer. Oh. It's not. 
Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's I fun. And it was, it was like glitterized and sequenced. You know what I mean? Like it was like red, white, and sparkly silver. It was disgusting. Mm. I don't want to make fun of any person who's sick. And so if I find out that he was sick, I will retract this statement. But I want you to watch uh, coverage with Alexi Lawless during this next U.S. game and tell me that he isn't turning into the Crypt Keeper. Because <laughs> what the hell happened to him? He has, like, gray skin and, like, yellow eyes. So I'm hoping it's just something I can Alcohol. make fun of him about and something serious. <laughs> is he, like, he, is, he looks rough. <laughs> In like four years, when he does this again, is it going to be like King Viserys? We're going to be like, oh my god! <laughs> I think it might be a finger. He's got a, a finger Ooh. falls off during the broadcast. Right. All right. So we did get some injuries. Josh Sargent and Pulisic both injured in the game. I'm going to assume that uh, Pulisic will play in the next game. That's what he's claiming is yeah. he's going to play. So hopefully he'll be back. Uh, it's not his fault that that he has just ridiculous amounts of pressure heaped on to him. Um, but he did, you know, play pretty well today. He got the game winner, and that was exciting to see. So um, there you go. Team USA stuff. Hopefully we get a good win. And uh, that's going to be it for us on this episode of the Nordies Podcast. We have another one. Go check out our screencast. We're doing a really fun rewatch, watching The Big Lebowski, all kinds of shows. We're going to start talking about some of the best shows of the year. We're heading towards our Nordy Awards in just a few weeks. Um, So lots of good stuff there and some fun news to talk about. Until then, thanks for listening to your good friends here at the Northeast Podcast. 